Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace, and my fellow commenter in this episode is newborn baby Rudy Keller Brooks. I'm also joined by his parents, Cameron and Jenny. In this episode, I'm going to talk to them both about the challenges and the rewards of their journey through infertility to adoption. As you'll hear, sometimes it takes hardship to open our eyes to the struggle of people all around us. For Jenny and Cameron, it also compelled them to rely on God when they had no power over the circumstances. If you've ever struggled with an unfulfilled longing or the need to discern a new path forward, you'll find this honest and open conversation a real encouragement. Well, as we mentioned in an earlier episode, uh, over our summer break, Cameron had a pretty big change in life, and that change is with us in the studio right now. Uh, Cameron's son, Rudy, is with us. He is the least articulate guest on this episode and also the most interesting at the same time, and it's a delight to have him here. Uh, Also delightful is... Cameron's wife, Jenny, has joined us in the studio as well. And in this episode, we're going to talk to them about the adoption journey, what that was like, uh, how they got here, some of the things they went through, and also how God was faithful to them through the various, let's say, stages and even challenges of that process. So, uh, Cameron, if you don't mind, why don't you just explain to us in in broad strokes uh, how this came about? Yeah, definitely. I know some people listening probably won't know any of our story at all. A lot of people from Grace hopefully are listening to this as well, and we'll know a little bit more, but I'll provide the broad brush strokes story, and then we can get into some details. So Jenny and I have been trying to start a family for about five years now. And always wanted to have kids, waited a few years after we got married, and slowly started realizing it wasn't happening. We weren't having weren't having any kids, weren't having any success. And so there's, a, of course, a ton that goes into that experience of infertility. And we started eventually praying thinking about the possibility of adoption, long story short. So when was it where we, when we finally signed up with an agency, was it? Yeah. So, um, it was actually last September. So we just hit the the year mark and it's kind of crazy to see that we actually have Rudy here with us now. That's right. Yeah. So we decided after a lot of prayer, talking with people, that we would pursue adoption and it frankly wasn't something that I had always planned. <laughs> there was a grunt. Okay. We got a baby grunt. <laughs> Hopefully get some more. <laughs> I, I think with a lot of couples, um, you know, there, there are some people who before they're even married, they think we're going to adopt. Mm-hmm. Like this is what we want to do. This is part of our story. Um, and for us, I think it was kind of the opposite. We always just assumed, you know, we would get married, wait a couple of years, and then get pregnant. 
mm-hmm. easily um, and have a family. Um, so adoption was kind of something we almost came to just feeling this call. Like like me especially, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. Um, but it's a, a weird place to be in when you feel called to something, but you have no control over that outcome. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we had some friends and some family who – had gone down a similar route and, you know, struggled with infertility and then came to adoption. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess you could say that's kind of how we came to it. But yeah, and we worked with a local agency here in South Dakota to do a domestic adoption and we were matched with a birth mother a few months after we had submitted our profile and there's another one and from there it felt really quick i mean i guess she had six months or so of her pregnancy left so we we worked alongside this birth mother for six months and then we're with her in the delivery room last july just a few eight weeks ago and had a bit of a crazy story in the hospital itself but we've been rudy's parents now for officially, legally, for eight weeks. I mean, right now, of course, we're talking in hindsight. And so as you look back over the journey, I think it's easy to say, well, it went really smoothly and it seems like it went really fast. Yeah. But as someone who was kind of watching from the outside as you went through it, it it didn't feel like it was going fast at every stage, did it? No, not for us. No, I mean, there were some... Gosh, I mean, there are things that I've already forgotten. So... (laughs) Well, let me ask you this. So, Jenny, you talked about going from, you know, having that sense of calling to be a mother to making the decision to adopt. But that wasn't like a a, a one-two decision, right? There was a lot of things that happened in between. Yeah. Um, what was it like kind of going through that, I guess, really like a, a discernment process, like yeah. figuring out how this was going to happen? Yeah, it was, it was not an easy decision. Um, I think for me specifically – it almost felt like in choosing to pursue adoption, I was saying like, we're going to close the door on having biological children, Mm -hmm. which is not true, but like, I just didn't have the emotional capacity to try to focus on both at the same time. Um, But it was still even like moving forward with adoption. It was like, I don't know if this is what God wants for us. It just, I think was kind of, we had to make the decision. We're just going to move forward in faith and trust that if this is what God has planned for us, then he will make a way for us. And so it was like, okay, we're just going to, first we're going to meet with the agency and we're going to see what comes next. And then at that point it was like, okay, we complete our home study and then we complete our profile and then we just put it out there. And if a birth mother chooses us, then, you know, we just continue to walk forward and, and pursue it and trust that God is with us along the way. Yeah. And from my perspective, I remember seeing your deep longing to be a mother. And, and I, of course, didn't have a deep longing to be a mother, but I had always had thought I would, of course, like, like most people would have kids after getting married, but didn't quite feel that same sense of longing that I, I saw in you. But seeing it in you was part of the process for me of realizing that Adoption maybe needs to be a, a real consideration because God has placed something on your heart 
And, and I feel a part of that as your husband, naturally. I think it's important for people listening to know that as you say this, Rudy's strapped to your chest. <laughs> yes. And, uh, <laughs> so, and I love him to death. Yeah. You know, it is interesting, though, the way that I think your story does illustrate like a truth that we see in the church a lot, the way that individual longings come to be shared longings, mm-hmm. you know, that um, you there are some, some things that you feel like you're doing for love of another person that suddenly you find you're also doing for yourself as well. And and it's beautiful to see how that process unfolds, but it sounds Jenny, like it wasn't a question of like coming to a moment and saying, okay, we've decided this is the path forward. It was like a step-by-step discernment. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, there were definitely a few things that like, kind of pushed me towards adoption, if that makes sense. Um, One of them was a book by Russell Moore called Adopted for Life, Hmm. um, which is just a great resource. Um, But he talked a lot about like discerning, like, do you want to have like biological children and pass on your genetics or do you want to like care for a child and, and raise them? And honestly, I think another big moment for me was Cameron's sister had twins um and they were in the NICU so they were only able to bring one home um right away and when I held him William for the first time I just I thought to myself like (laughs) I just thought to myself I could love any baby like I don't Mm -hmm. I don't care about like passing on our genetics or anything like that like I just knew in my heart that I wanted to be a mom and and so that was another I, th- I think kind of shift for me was like, okay, we need to seriously consider adoption. Mm-hmm. I think Rudy agrees with that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, there is, I think, and I know you probably don't lead with thoughts like this, but uh, there is a theological beauty to adoption that, you know, I often point out that uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith is the only one of the reformed confessions that devotes a chapter to the doctrine of adoption and when you describe the idea of passing on the genetics you know i think people to one extent or another put a lot of weight on that idea it is fascinating though to see that in salvation the the metaphor used is that of adoption like Paul says we're children of wrath who have become children of God through the process of adoption. And so it's, um, it's exemplified, I think in, in every adoption that, that rich theological truth. Yeah. I know you love theology camera and I assume that that wasn't your primary desire to embody theology, but it doesn't hurt. Right. What's, what's interesting is of course I've, I've always known that, but we, you know, we had a conversation with a friend who had adopted and, and I brought up that point and they totally agreed. And then they said, but also you need to remember that on the human level, adoption is rooted in loss for everyone. Most of the time it it begins with loss from the perspective of the mother who is in a situation where she needs to do this from the perspective of the child who will not be raised with his or her biological parents even from our perspective where the loss that we we were feeling was this inability to have biological children. And 
and that hit me really hard when she said that like oh man this as as beautiful you know as the theology is on the human level it's it's a very fraught thing and yet what our friend also said was it's rooted in loss but it brings about redemption mm-hmm. and of course that's you know that's gospel truth as well that adoption is <laughs> about redemption and rudy is is going to say amen that's right <laughs> already agrees Let's talk a little bit about the the journey getting to the decision of adoption. So um, you've talked about like that, that journey through infertility. And, and I guess, you know, I said earlier that this is a process that sounds similar to other kinds of processes of, you know, trying to discern the will of God. But that's not necessarily true because this is more, as you say, emotionally fraught. I mean, this is a huge decision. And so I'm just curious about that struggle and what it was like, but also what were some of the insights that really helped as you went through it? The first thing that I would say is it was hard coming to terms with the reality of infertility. Like you just keep thinking like, well, it'll happen eventually. It'll happen eventually. And then a year passes and two year passes and then five years pass. And and it, it was hard for me anyway to to accept that fact that something is not working and we, you know, it's, for some reason we can't conceive. But choosing adoption was hard for me because it at first felt like it was admitting that we're struggling with infertility. You know, if we were to tell the world we're going to adopt now after five years of, of, of trying. It felt like a kind of, I mean, this is almost hard to admit, but it felt like a sort of weakness or like a vulnerability. Like we've been struggling with this thing and now we're going a different route. And, and that's where like, like Jenny said earlier, some couples have this apparent calling early on or some people feel really led to adopt for these apparent apparently noble reasons or, or whatever the case might be for, for me right away, it felt more like we are we are turning to it out of faith for sure, but out of a kind of weakness too. And out of a kind of sorrow. And again, I want to acknowledge the fact that I'm holding Rudy and we've experienced (laughs) so much redemption and it's been, it's been amazing. But at the very start, coming out of that five years of infertility was really hard and even turning to adoption for me was was really difficult but like you were just saying it's it was like one step at a time of trusting god for the next thing trusting god for the next thing and then ultimately trusting him to to deliver as as he did so Mm -hmm. i mean what else would you say about infertility i know there's a lot yeah um i could do a whole another podcast on infertility (laughs) alone um it yeah if I mean, it's just, it's hard to describe if you're not walking through it. Yeah. Um, but just the, like, the pain. And, and there were, like, some very, very dark days of questioning God and, like, why is this happening? And being on this side and having Rudy here now, like, it's very clear and apparent to me that, like, we went through infertility so that he could be here. You know, like, if we hadn't gone through our infertility journey we wouldn't have pursued adoption and we wouldn't have Rudy here today. Um, so 
yeah, actually, when going through the struggles of infertility, I found myself turning to lots of podcasts on suffering, especially ones um, by Timothy Keller, which as some of you might know, we actually chose Keller as Rudy's middle name. Um, But one of the podcasts that I listened to, he quoted, I think it was from Hamlet. um, And I have it here. He just said, each new morn, new widows howl, new orphans cry, new sorrows strike heaven on the face. Um, And I think the whole concept of that that episode or whatever was just basically raising awareness that like suffering is everybody's going through it um but just that image to me of new orphans crying was like okay here's this like innocent baby who needs parents and then here's us over here who just are longing deeply to be parents why would we not pursue adoption um so that was I guess another one of those like pinnacle moments for me of like kind of these puzzle pieces coming together. And it sounds like the suffering you experienced opened your eyes to suffering around you. Oh, for sure. And I think that's something that we're often blind to, you know, everything's going great. And so uh, when we do struggle or suffer, I think that naturally the first response is just, I want this to stop. Mm-hmm. But once you begin to see the effects, I mean, I, I can say, like from a pastoral standpoint, I mean, the people who do the most to minister to others in their suffering tend to be the people who've suffered similar things and, mm-hmm. and had to go through a lot of the same. And I don't think anyone would would willingly you know, embrace suffering just so that they could be more helpful later on in life. But it is um, that that way of opening eyes, I think, is, is a way that God makes us aware of the what's happening all around us mm-hmm. and what we can do about it. Right. It became apparent that it's, it's really hard for people to sympathize or understand the struggle of infertility. I mean, you could say that about any suffering that yeah. you haven't experienced. Right. And and that's, I think that was the general principle that I took from our experience was that if you, I mean, there are certain things that you can be like, oh yeah, that would be rough. And I should think about what I'm saying around someone who might be experiencing that. But with infertility, it just felt like in the church in particular, there's such this emphasis on family and passing on your genes and the blessing of children. And all of that is true and good. But we just don't often pause to think about the people who are struggling. And and I don't want to be, you know, I hate turning the attention on us and thinking like, well, we're the victims. You need to think about me because I that's not what this is about. But I think it, it taught me as a Christian to be mindful of the suffering, other sorts of suffering that I haven't experienced. And, and hopefully I'm a more empathetic person now. I think it's it's still hard to put yourself in those in the shoes of some kind of suffering that you've not experienced. But I think that is what Christ calls us to. Yeah. And I think you make a good point that there, there are a lot of things that are good in and of themselves, but uh, we don't always experience them as good uh, depending on what we're going through. And if, you know, you, you don't want to go around thinking, you know, everyone has it in for you and they're so inconsiderate that they're not taking my situation into account and yet, at the same time, that is your experience and you feel what you feel. And 
I think it does, um, I don't know, it does, it does open your eyes to something you were blind to before, that you're surrounded by people who, whatever the, uh, the particular difficulty is, are, are going through really hard things. Whatever, wherever you, you are in life, you have some call by Christ to be rejoicing or, or to be mourning with someone, probably. And you yourself will probably be feeling that you need some people to rejoice with you or mourn with you. And so the, the call, it seems to me, is always to, to bear with one another in love and to be mindful, not just of your own needs, but of the needs of others. So I think the, the challenge with infertility is it seems, it feels so isolating. It feels like nobody gets this in, in the church and there's so many couples having so many babies and it's so just feels so acute but it's not it's not necessarily true it's how it feels in the moment so like i was like i was saying before yeah our our challenge was to celebrate the new pregnancies as much as we could cameron was a lot better at this than i was that's for (laughs) sure (laughs) but yeah but also going through a legitimate period of grieving too i mean do you want to talk about that a little bit like i feel like we like there was a season where we just were embracing the fact that this is really hard and and like we are suffering right now and it's a weird thing to to think that consciously like this is suffering this is hard right now yeah i mean i don't feel like i was one of those people that suffered well (laughs) Mm. you know like i i did kind of let my grief consume me um but I think I needed to, too, maybe. Mm. I don't know. It just, yeah, it's it's just a very hard thing, especially, like, that's the one thing that you've been longing for for so long. And you see it all around you. You know, you go to the store and there's, you walk by baby clothes and sitting in church, um, you know, sitting alone and you're surrounded by families. Um, just constantly, it was just a reminder of, like, what I didn't have or what I, you know, couldn't achieve on my own. And I guess it was all just a a huge reminder to me that I'm not the one that's in control at all. Um, And that was something that I probably needed to learn. And that, I mean, anything can become an idol. Any Mm -hmm. good thing can become an idol. And there were probably days where we made idols of our desires to become parents even and so the suffering, what it's doing is it's like pulling out those idols, I think, by God's grace. And he's showing us that he's the only thing that can truly satisfy the longings of our soul. And it's easy to say that in retrospect. In the moment, it's so much harder to feel a sort of contentment in the Lord when you just feel on the human level the worst loss that you've ever felt. Part of pursuing adoption for me almost felt like it was coming out of a a place of selfishness or like I was taking control instead of letting God be in control. That, that was like a temptation or a fear. But I would say walking through the adoption process, like I've never had to rely on God so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just like constantly just trusting him throughout the whole process. Um, And for me, I, I walked away from it just, feeling like I've never felt God's presence that much. Mm. 
which, yeah, in, in hindsight, like I can say that now, but when going through the infertility and the suffering of that, I, I felt so lonely and like God was so far. Um, but it's just amazing, like going through the adoption process and seeing how he's just totally redeemed that. I appreciate the honesty of that because I think it is, um, I mean, it's hard to be transparent about, um, I don't know, like, like the, the things we feel that we feel like we're not supposed to feel, you know, but as you're describing that sense of longing, it just reminds me like how powerful these longings that we have are. I mean, they drive us and an unfulfilled longing often drives us, I mean, sometimes to good, sometimes to bad. And, and in a fallen world, I mean, those things are often wrapped together, you know, like, as you say, um, you're pursuing the process of adoption and you can see all of the positives, but then you're also asking yourself, am I doing this for the right reasons? Mm -hmm. And I find that really relatable. You know, I think that's, um, you know, we're training officers for the church right now. And that's one of the, the conflicts I think in every candidate's mind, like this would be a good thing to do. Am I doing it for the right reason? All of that I think is, is testament just to the complexity of trying to make good decisions when you realize, you know, we're, we're in conflict with ourselves. And so it's, um, I don't know, it's interesting to me just the way that struggling through this kind of teaches you those lessons about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lesson interesting in the Lord because I remember pausing too, before we decided to pursue the first step of adoption, wondering like, are we just taking matters into our own hands? I think we had that conversation. It's like, well, it seems like we're not going to be able to have our own kids or who knows. So is it, is adoption just trying to, yeah, grasp a new kind of control since we feel like we have no control right now. And I remember thinking too, though, that like maybe there's some of that going on, but on the other hand, we were, we were asking God for help. We were asking God for wisdom. We were seeking wisdom from others. We were walking in faith and, and I just don't think that there's always that clarity that like, yes, this next step is the will of God for me right now. And my motives are absolutely pure. Sometimes, maybe always, the, your motives are an admixture of good things and bad things and selfishness and holiness. So I, I felt that going into it. But again, like we keep saying, the process, amazingly, the process of adoption itself was so redemptive. And even in the hospital, we haven't really talked about that at all, but like the few days where we were in the hospital were so amazing and we felt God's grace sustaining us through that experience. And now here we are eight weeks later and just feeling again like God has confirmed despite our mixed emotions and, and, um, pathetic prayers that this is what he had for us. Well, I would like to hear about that because I know as you were going through that, we were praying for you. And I think especially in that moment where 
you know, you have a child, you're on the path of adoption and all of your love, your heart is opened up. And, and that's the moment that, you know, I remember praying like, don't let anything go wrong here. I mean, how devastating, you know, would it be just please let everything go well. And, and, and it did ultimately, but, but I mean, that was, that had to be a challenge. Yeah. So let's, let's fill everybody in on this. So we were matched as a birth mother and we got to, you know, walk alongside her throughout her pregnancy. Um, and then she actually delivered Rudy in Nebraska. And so we went to Nebraska. We were able to be there for the delivery. Um, and in the state of Nebraska, they require it's at least 48 hours before the birth mother can relinquish her rights. Um, Rudy was actually born via C-section. And so they wanted to give her a little bit extra time. Um, so I think they gave her four days. Um, so we ended up in the NICU with Rudy we were, it was the, the day before she was going to relinquish her rights. Um, you know, so we were thinking we're in the clear here, like just one more day, just have to make it till tomorrow. And then we get to take Rudy home. Um, but then the birth father came forward and that was not something that was even on our radar. Um, we thought that there, you know, the birth father was unknown, um, they had to legally put it in the paper so that he could come forward um, if he wanted to. Um, but our lawyers were like, that that never happens. Um, I think they said that in 30 years it had only happened once. So we were like, okay, you know, we're going to be in the clear. But that, that was devastating. Um, we were told that he was on his way to Nebraska and he was going to object to the adoption. And... You know, we were just thinking like we've had this, we've had this baby. We spent three days in the NICU with him, and like he's ours. Um, so to just have somebody come say like legally he could, he could take the baby. Um, yeah, like I said, it was just completely devastating. I, I got the news um, from the birth mother directly, and and Cameron was in the NICU with Rudy, and so I had to go tell him and. I just remember he was with Rudy and all of the doctors were in there doing their rounds and he just immediately was like, can you guys give us a minute? Mm -hmm. Because I just was losing it and he knew something was wrong. Um, and so we both just, I mean, we spent quite a bit of time crying, um, but then asking everybody that we knew for prayer. Um, I knew that I had to go back up and talk to the birth mother because I, I excused myself from the room. I was like, I just need a minute, but I needed to go back up and, and talk to her. And honestly, I just felt like God's peace completely consumed me and was able to go back up there and, and talk with her and, and recognize that like God is in control of whatever happens. And if Rudy is supposed to be with his birth father, then that's what God had planned, um, which was not an easy thing <laughs> for sure. Um, but I think it was really, for me, it was just like very evident that God was working in that situation. Um, do you have anything to add? I mean, just that, so the birth father did show up that morning 
and wanted to have a conversation with us. And so we were terrified. <laughs> I was just, I had no idea what was going to happen in that conversation. All we knew that he was that he, he got in his truck that morning. He was driving from South Dakota. He wanted to object. He didn't know about this beforehand. He was excited to meet his son. And I'm just like, what in the world is happening? So we were, I don't know, off in a lobby somewhere waiting for him to show up thinking about what are we going to talk about? And so I'm going through my mind making this case. Here's why we're the perfect people for, for him. But also feeling this tension, like, but this is Rudy's biological father and he has every right. And if I were in his shoes, I would probably be doing the same thing. And so many conflicting thoughts and feelings in the course of two hours. He shows up, we go into the room, He, the father is there with the birth mother, Rudy's lying there asleep, and we just sit down and have maybe a 30-minute conversation. He asks us a few questions and then says essentially, okay, I feel good about this. And, and that conversation shocked me because I was expecting so much more deliberation or argumentation almost to take place, but... He wanted to meet us. He wanted to ask a few things about our background, what, why, you know, why we were doing this. And there was a, a piece that pervaded that conversation too, which I think was from God and was all of these prayers that we knew were happening was affecting that. So he ended up consenting to the adoption and obviously we are, we are where we are, but that, that was a weird experience because and this is true, I think, for adoptions generally, the, we had no, we were helpless. We had no rights, really. We had no power over anything. We were sleep-deprived, sleeping on this tiny little mattress in the back of the NICU for four nights. And it was just, we felt so helpless in that moment. Like, the only thing we could do was, was pray and ask mm -hmm. other people to pray. And so that's what we did. And I think that's ultimately what got us here. So any thought you might have had at the beginning that this is a way of taking control by the end. Yeah, right. Definitely right. saw no, just zero. the opposite. Just zero. the opposite. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the whole process of adoption is like, really, you have no control over mm -hmm. the situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, the birth mother could change her mind at any point. And so it really is just walking forward in faith and trusting that if God has a baby for you, like mm -hmm. it will come to pass, you know, like, and, and just finding comfort in knowing, like, while we were in the process, God already knew who our baby would be. Um, yeah, that was helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Well, it was on August 20th, right? Our first service in the new building that Rudy was baptized. And as part of that, you guys took those vows that parents take to raise the child in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And... Uh, thinking about that and about the future, like what are some of your thoughts being on the other side of this journey, but, but honestly being at the beginning of, of a much larger one. I think now is when we get to start just soaking in the joys of, of becoming parents and, and the, the challenges. We're only eight weeks into this thing, but I'm starting to, to think about the future a little bit more for a while. It was fight or flight mode every day. Is this going to happen? Is this a thing? what's tomorrow going to bring. And now we've entered into some normalcy. 
and so we're we're excited for about all the things that new parents are excited about when it comes to raising their kids. I mean, me personally, I I want to introduce Rudy to jazz music. <laughs> really good jazz, for example. So while <laughs> while I change his diapers, while we're reading books, bath time. Bath time. We've always got some good jazz on in the background. So that's that's big. I mean, if we're talking thinking about education down the road. We do have tons of cousins for him to meet. Eventually, this Thanksgiving, he's going to meet seven cousins. And and raising Rudy in a really wonderful church where there are many other kids is something we're also really excited about. So our small group and Grace generally has been such a support over the last couple of years, really. Yeah, and kind of going off of that, like, I think one of the biggest things for us with the adoption that was kind of pulling us up was the financial component of the adoption because, I mean, they're asking you for a huge sum of money. Um, and Grace came through for us, um, all of our church friends and, and other family and just the community, they were so supportive. Um, and so I think it's it's cool for the community to be able to see, like, they helped us so much with this. Um and and Rudy's here because of them and their generosity. Yeah. And we realize there are so many more complexities to to adoption generally that we would be happy to talk about with others. If other people have questions. If other please. people are considering adoption. Yeah. Or if anybody's walking through infertility, like yeah. we are totally open books. Right. Um I can sometimes be a little too honest, so <laughs> no question is too hard for me. Yeah. Well, I think maybe high school graduation would be the right time, but we should make a plan that at Rudy's high school graduation, we will play this episode of the commentary for him so he can hear what his parents were thinking right after his birth and get a sense of that. Maybe we'll ask him what some of those grunts and, and yells meant, and he could give us some insight into that as well. But I know that I am speaking for everyone at Grace, and I know your families feel this way and your friends, just that we're all so delighted, you know, having seen you go through this journey for this to be the outcome is so right and just a real delight to witness and and be a part of so congratulations to you both and uh and also to Rudy. Thanks for listening to the commentary. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. You can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org.